When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. and wow, were we, we were given a great game on Tuesday. Uh, that's certainly one word for it, I should say, but it was certainly an interesting game, and there's plenty of storylines to get to, which we will today. Of course, the return of Chris Letang and his defense partner, uh, Tristan Jari, injured once again. Uh, the Penguins might have something with the fourth line. Do they not have anything with Teddy Bluger? And we'll take a look at where they sit in the standings. That's all on tap for this episode of the tip of the iceberg. But before we get into all of that, Horwat, what was your reaction after that game? Were you just exasperated trying to think of how to actually look at this game? You know, I felt better about that than the... Uh... <clears throat> than the overtime win to the Ducks. I'll put it that way. Um, Because sometimes you need to win those bare-knuckle brawls, right? Sometimes you need to come out on the right side of those. I mean, Casey DeSmith didn't have a great game, and I think just given the circumstance of we don't have a backup goalie right now. We, you know, we... The the shock and awe of that's only Casey coming out to the the ice. No one else. Um, And yeah, of course, Chris Letang returned and played possibly his best game of the year, probably the best game he's going to play all season. Um, added a little bit to that, I think this team proved that they can win these sorts of games. And again, it was one of those back-and-forth slugfests. They went down 2 nothing, and then clawed their way back mm-hmm. in. That's a great start. Um, I think my takeaway overall was that's a good two points. You do want to be better and not allow six goals as well, but... It was a huge win against a team that was creeping up on them in the standings, and you got to win those games for sure. You give them a point, yeah, but um, it's important as hell to win a game like that, and that goes into tonight as well. You mentioned Chris Letang. Obviously, that was the story of the night on a night where there were multiple different stories, but Chris Letang himself was phenomenal in that game, but he's playing alongside Brian Dumlin. Uh, so before we get into to Chris Letang, really, I want to talk about that decision because we saw it uh, at the morning skate and everybody said, no, there's no way. And realistically, you should know if, if that's the line pairing on a morning skate that's full participation, that's going to be the lineup later that evening unless Tristan Jari uh, just doesn't come out for the practice or for, for pregame skate. But what did you think of 
Brian Dublin being placed with Latang, was it expected? Because on my end, I thought of it a, a little bit before they showed it. I was not surprised in the least. I think that's what made me um, think it wasn't going to happen, actually. Him, seeing him with Dublin and not a Pedersen or anyone else that might, or a P.O. Joseph. I think maybe that may have been what tipped me off to it not happening because, mm-hmm. yeah, Latang is skating with Dumoulin and he's taking regular rushes, but at the same time, they got then they got to the uh, power play practices and he was rotating between both of them. You know, Petrie was going back and forth between both of them, but P.O. Joseph wasn't skating at all. He wasn't even doing penalty kill drills, so I just assumed given P.O. Joseph that little rest <clears throat> and then he'll get right back into it uh, as the defenseman on the second unit come game time, Petrie on the first, uh, Latang needs another day or two. That was my thought process, at least. Ob- obviously, it was wrong, so... And I was happy to be wrong about it. I mean, as for him playing with Dumoulin, hey, you know, I I just don't know who else you're going to put him with. You know, they, P.O. Joseph's an option. I just don't know if they want to commit to that option yet. It's truly hard to say if they do. Um, and obviously you don't want to break up Pedersen and Petrie. You don't. So who else is he going to play with? And I think that's perfectly fine. You're, It's perfectly okay to play him with Brian Dumoulin. Just make sure you're sheltering Dumoulin as much as you can and giving him the best opportunity to be uh, the best part of himself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not ideal, but who else are you going to put him with? That's very true. Uh, I, I do look at this and say, okay, you know, their first game back, it went well. Let, let's let's not gloss over that fact that besides the obvious counting stats, which we'll get to in a minute from Chris Letang, Brian Dumlin and Letang as a pairing did pretty well and performed pretty well on Tuesday against the Florida Panthers. And that first game back, they had 18 minutes and one second of time on ice together in all situations, which was second on the Pittsburgh Penguins, only behind the pairing of Pedersen and Petrie. They had 62.5% of the shot attempts in all situations, 59% of the expected goals. They obviously created two goals, and then there was the one that they didn't, and we'll get into that in a second. But I thought that it looked like maybe you bring him back and you give him the guy that he's been working with for eight years to let him get back on sturdy footing with somebody he knows and chemistry he knows on the other end. And I think it ended up working out well for the Pittsburgh Penguins in a game where they really did control the majority of the game, and honestly, if they had any modicum of goaltending, they should have won that game by three or four goals. Absolutely. They absolutely should have trounced them in reality. Uh, I mean, you hit seven, but you needed to. You, you had no choice but to hit seven uh, yeah. because of an overtime. I mean, just looking at the numbers here, how wild this game was. Evgeny Malkin had three points and was still a minus three. <laughs> there you go. Didn't Don't need to say too much else. So... I think I don't even remember where this concept is going. Sorry, I'm still getting over being a little sick yesterday. <laughs> You're good. What was the question? Starting from just uh, before I started talking about Kenny Malkin and his points. No, there wasn't really a question. You were just bouncing off of what I was talking about with uh, Dumoulin and Latang and the craziness of the game and the fact that the Penguins should have probably blown out the, the Florida Panthers. But it, at the end of the day, it doesn't really um, make too much of a difference because the Penguins came out with two points. You would have liked to get it as a clean regulation win. But hey, considering their record in overtime, which we talked about on Monday, we'll take the overtime victory, especially when you have that type of performance from Casey to Smith and you still get the full allotted two points in the game. You have a hard time complaining about that. But Chris Letang, getting it back on the ice means more 
than most people know. And then, of course, for him to come out and have a historic performance, storybook ending of a performance, he becomes the first defenseman in NHL history to record an even-strength assist, an even-strength goal, a power play assist, a power play overtime goal in one game. Horwat, it didn't look like Chris Letang missed a beat, did it? No, not too much. Even the casual Chris Letang mistakes were present. It was all there. He just, <laughs> he just bounced it back, and you don't notice it with four whole points. That's the thing about Crystal Tank. He's going to make those mistakes, but it's the fact that he can make up for it with performances like this that make you totally forget it. I mean, a lot of people listening probably don't even don't even know that he made a couple of mistakes. There was a couple of goals that shouldn't have happened because of him. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So it's maybe just one or two. I can't remember the ex- exactly, but um, yeah, it was a full Crystal Tang affair. He just happened to... Mm-hmm have one of the best offensive offensive performances of his career. I mean, how often does he score two goals? Two. Yeah, that was uh, matching his season total to this point with two yeah. goals. He had two going into that game. He had two in that game. And really, whenever you saw that overtime goal go in, and I've watched it multiple times, you knew he was just, he was ready. When that puck was coming over to him slowly, and great job by Sidney Crosby on the, uh, on the screen of Alex Lyon, but he just absolutely wired that shot to the back of the net. And you love to you love to see it. And Chris Letang, like you mentioned, yeah, they were out there for one bad goal, but that was not on Letang. First of all, Ricardo Raquel looked to drop it back because he was getting pressured by the for the Panthers forecheck, and Brian Dumlin fleed the zone. That is the downfall. Brian Dumlin is not the steady force that he used to be. He was for a lot of this game. I will give him that. But that is a glaring mistake that Dumoulin made that when you have a goaltender like Casey DeSmith performing the way he is, you can't flee the zone, especially when the Penguins don't even have that much momentum going forward. So all all in all, great to see Chris Letang back. Unfortunate that a guy like Ty Smith gets sent back to Wilkes-Barre and scores in his first game back for that. But you had to see that coming as well. Just nice that Chris Letang was able to get back out there and not only play well, but just absolutely obliterate the Florida Panthers on the score sheet. Yeah, that's exactly the kind. It was the perfect storybook return for Crystal Tank. Couldn't happen to a more deserving person right now either. I mean, just these last two months have just been, I mean, most people wouldn't be able to make it through it, but he's a resilient man and good on him for making it through and putting up the game of the year for him uh, in that return. And also for Ty Smith, hey, you know what? I'm fully committed to next year being his year. Fully committed to next season. He's in this top six regularly. And mm-hmm. I mean I have the I have the vision of my of the Penguins defense defense next season already. So that's just me. Wow, that's so Raven of you. Ah yes. The vision. As long as you don't start tweaking your eyes and twitches in your eyes, then I won't actually feel like you're you're leaving me to have a vision right now. But let's talk about Tristan Jari because this really was, other than Chris Letang, this was the story of the night, Horwat, as you all were sitting up there in the press box saying, um, Tristan Jari hasn't come out yet, and I'm feverishly, while trying to work on two other shows at once, feverishly scrolling and continuously refreshing to say, okay, he just had to take a poop. Okay, he had an equipment malfunction. Okay, maybe he, I don't know, had to brush his teeth or didn't finish his pregame meal. I don't know, but something, can't, it can't be an injury, right? And whenever, of course, he doesn't come out, Mike Chason becomes the emergency backup goaltender that is a backup goaltender. You just look at it and say, I hope that he didn't re-aggravate that injury. And that's what we all expected. And then after the game, 
props to you. You're the first person I saw put it out there that Mike Sullivan says upper body injury, which means four separate injuries now in the past year. Of course, it came out yesterday that Tristan Jari will miss the next two games leading up to the All-Star break with that upper body injury. Horwat, do we have any idea when this could have happened? No, not that anyone's really aware of. Sullivan said he wasn't made aware of it until Jari showed up for the game. I mean, he was... And, you know, full participant in the morning skate uh, was pegged as the game time, as the game starting goalie. And and then it was just Casey DeSmith, the only goalie to take the ice during warmups. And for your thought process of maybe it was just this, that, the other, I would like to know if that was it, if Casey DeSmith is still the one leading the team onto the ice. That's one thing that drew my eye. I was like, if it is something like that, how superstitious are these guys that they just want a goalie leading them out, period? They're not just going to put Casey in his normal spot and then Jari comes out later, whatever it could have been. Um, but I think the fact that Casey led the team out, all that was all I needed to see. I was, okay, Jari is not in the building. And obviously mm-hmm. you start thinking some of the worst. Um, I had one of the... Uh, I had to take a phone call in the middle of the game, so I went down back to the guts of the building, and um, I had one of the security guards tell me on the way back up that he thought Jari wasn't even in the building at all, like he never even showed up, so immediately that was debunked when Sullivan said afterwards that uh, he found out whenever he showed up for the game, Um, but that really just makes you wonder what it could have been, Uh, something the mind immediately goes to some of the worst places, just something off of the ice that, you know, Mm -hmm human nature can't control but at the same time you don't know maybe something happened during practice we just all didn't realize it no one talked to him after the after the practice so it's hard to really uh pinpoint what could have happened or how Mm -hmm. considering the fact that he just came back from a seven game absence on friday uh any injury i feel like especially the team would have just been like okay you know what you've had a lot of injuries this season just just take the 10 days here and it, he might might have been able to play tonight against the Washington Capitals. He might have been able to play against the San Jose Sharks. We don't know to the extent of this injury. They didn't give a time frame. It seemed when he said, yeah, he's going to take the next two games off, that it's probably just precautionary. Like, hey, we need to make sure you're good to go. Like, we don't want to push you for one game in mid to late January. So just take the 10 days, including the All-Star break and the bye week. Get yourself right and come back afterwards. That's what I'm hoping it is. That's what it sounds like to me. But I'm also a couple hundred miles away, not talking to these people in person. But with Tristan Jari, if it is something that keeps him out longer than that, this is a massive issue. This already is a massive issue regardless to me. But if he is out longer than that, this is a massive issue for the Pittsburgh Penguins going forward. I don't know if it's an issue that can be fixed this season. It's certainly an issue that will have to be addressed in the offseason, though. It is. It is. Totally is. I mean, we're going to have to see him make it through the rest of the season, make it into the postseason, make it through the postseason. We're going to have to see a lot from him. Uh, you do mm-hmm. feel bad for the guy. Let's start there. You, you, yeah. You feel bad for him as a person and as a hockey player who wants to be out there competing every game. Um, but these unfortunate circumstances keep popping up. And and I don't blame the fans that have already started hooting and hollering for a trade. I get it. Or to not re-sign him. I get it. You don't want an injury-prone player on your team. Especially a, a goaltender. Yeah, especially a goalie whenever you're not flying with a 1A, 1B, and you're coasting with your 1 and 2. Um, I get it. I don't agree with it. 
but um, I'm getting closer to agreeing than I would have ever liked. I was the one backing Jari after the Islanders series. I was the one saying, Ron Hextall's not, not getting rid of him. He's not going to. And now here we are, and I still don't think he's going to get rid of him in any way, shape, or form, but he has to prove that he can still sustain some health, and he has to sustain it for a full season, and that's already gone. So mm-hmm. we'll have to see. I think this contract negotiation is going to get interesting because with every injury that comes along, it's just a couple of bucks taken away, a couple of bucks mm-hmm. taken away, or even a year, mm-hmm. even a year on the deal. Scoop. Like, it's it's interesting. So those are going to be some interesting negotiations and gone are the days that we were saying earlier this year during his hot streak where everyone was calling for sign him now do it now before he gets too hot for this team nope i don't think we have to worry about that anymore at this point we can wait until the offseason may not be the nicest idea may not be the friendliest idea or even the ideal situation but um you can at least wait until the offseason and hopefully get him before the full free agency opens up because he is a UFA. There are plenty of teams out there that would scoop him in a second. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's plenty. I mean, look at what we saw on Tuesday. We saw two National Hockey League teams ice those goaltenders. I know one of them is a result of Tristan Jari not being healthy, but look at the other side. Look at Alex Lyon. He was an ECHL goaltender in that net, it looked like. He was not anywhere near somebody that should have been playing for the Florida Panthers at the NHL level. And if you look at the game before against the Rangers, it was the same thing at the Garden. He got shelled in back-to-back games. There's plenty of teams that, even if he's injury-prone, they're going to take a look at him. And if there's a fact that the Penguins don't go out and re-sign him, he's going to get lowballed from other teams. They're going to say, hey, the team that that drafted you, that made you, doesn't want to give you this much money, why should I? But they're still going to want him. Because look at what he did in his two games since return. That's the dilemma, Horwat. Not that, you know, Tristan Jari is a mediocre goaltender. He's a decent number one, but he gets injured a lot. He is potentially one of the best goaltenders in the league if he can stay healthy. But he can't. Like, this this year, he hasn't been able to. I keep saying, you know, four separate injuries in one calendar year. That's three this season. So that's a real dilemma for the Penguins. His two games since return, 1-0-1, a 9.57 save percentage, 1.5 goals allowed average, and 1.86 goals saved above expected. That's against two pretty offensive teams in the Ottawa Senators and the New Jersey Devils. So this is a massive issue for the Penguins. I think this is certainly something that's going to come up in negotiations and play a major role because before these injury issues, the only question was, can he do it in the playoffs? That question's still there, but now it's, can he even be available for the playoffs? And that's way more important than can he perform at this point in time because I trust more that he'll be able to perform if he's healthy than trusting that he's actually going to be there and healthy. Yeah. It's a matter of getting there. It's a matter of staying there. We know he has the skill. <clears throat> those yeah. That 1-0-1 in those two games of health, they were great games. He plays with confidence. He plays with... Um, this he plays like a jerk sometimes it's just really entertaining it's mm-hmm. awesome to see so he has the skill and has enough gumption to be a phenomenal goalie in this league <clears throat> it is just a matter of staying healthy and for what it's worth also Alex Lyon uh playing in those back-to-back games on back-to-back days Spencer Knight was also not on the bench I did not look into that but Spencer Knight was not mm-hmm. on the Florida Panthers bench either so 
So Chason was really on high alert back then. Yeah, because whenever we went back to the room for uh, post-game interviews, uh, there was a set of goalie pads laying out, and it wasn't Chason's. So mm. I don't know. <laughs> they might have had an emergency backup to the emergency backup goaltender. I heard a rumor for a long time it used to be Eddie Johnston. Just saying. That would be amazing. I mean, former NHL that would be goalie, amazing. it's it fits, but um, true. I, don't, I mean, aside from uh, Chase, on I don't know who it would be after him. So, still, uh, we, <laughs> he was at the ready. I'm assuming, and um, I'm sure someone else was as well. Yeah, uh, I guarantee you they have a contingency plan, especially whenever I'm. I'm sure the Florida Panthers knew before the Pittsburgh Penguins that they weren't going to be without a backup goaltender because the Penguins, it seemed like it was very last minute, especially if you go back and look at your discussion with Casey to Smith after the game about, Hey, when were you told uh, that you were starting? He was like, basically right before I had to put my pads on. He was um, five minutes before he had to go out. That's a scary little thought right there. Yeah. Well, luckily these NHL goaltenders are always prepared to get in the game. And you know, it, even that is more than, you know, the Winter Classic, where he was just sitting there in a toque, and all of a sudden, he's been on national television for five minutes sitting there, and you're going to have to go into the game. But uh, regardless, we just hope that it's something with Tristan Jari that he takes these next two games off, he takes the next ten days off after the break and the bye week, and he's ready to go once the Penguins hit back on the ice after the All-Star break. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's look at the Penguins' fourth line, because did they finally figure something out on that bottom line? We'll discuss it on the tip of the iceberg. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. The good folks at InsideThePenguins.com and Fan Nation have treated us very well since we head over there right after the playoffs last season, if I if I remember correctly. Uh, with the podcast, at least, we were working through the playoffs uh, in a journalistic fashion. But Horwat, it's been a good uh, seven, eight months for Inside the Penguins. And uh, I think we're very excited about where this is going. A lot of expansion talk, a lot of talk about what we can do in the future. So keep it tuned here to Tip of the Iceberg podcast, as well as InsideThePenguins.com for a lot of fun stuff coming down the road. Uh, and one other thing, Horat, before we get into this fourth line, how ecstatic are you that Tuesday was the final time we will see the Robo Penguin uniform worn this season? Ecstatic's definitely not the right word. I think it's... Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize they'd be done with it so soon, but I guess we're... <clears throat> they wore it every freaking game. Yeah, they, they uh, well after a little while, I thought they did overwear it. So uh, that does become an issue. But um, I don't know about ecstatic. I'm certainly going to miss it, I guess, because after a while, mm -hmm. it's uh, it does become a part of you, and it does did. I mean, for those of you that didn't like it, I'm sure it grew on you a little. Haha. Uh -huh. No, it probably didn't, because people who didn't like it held to that, held to that hatred. I, I liked it, so um, 
obviously I'm going to miss it. Maybe I'll uh, cop one on sale somewhere. Because I definitely liked it more than the uh, than the than the first one, so there's that. Yeah, when it comes to that jersey, I feel like most of the people that actually didn't like it are people that didn't like it because it was the cursed Robo Penguin of the early '90s. You know, ended basically the run of, of Stanley Cups. There, they never won in that jersey in that uniform, and also. I was fatigued by it. I was like, why are we wa- why are we wearing these every chance we get? I mean, I understand it's only a one-year-only thing, but let's spread it out a little bit, guys. Uh, also, because I was doing a Penguins to Go earlier this week on Jeff Petrie, and the picture I used was him in the Pittsburgh Diagonal, and I think they should be utilizing that a little bit more because I think it's a nicer jersey. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely nicer. I think, uh, I think also a lot of old heads don't like that uh, we are wearing five jerseys this year. <laughs> But yeah. Guess what? Get over it. This all these teams still need to make a little bit of money, and yep. You know what sells hockey jerseys? You want to know why? Because they're kind of expensive. <laughs> so kind of yeah. So yeah, they're gonna wear them. People, fans are gonna see them. They're gonna like them. They're gonna go, I want one, and they're gonna buy one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to like the jersey. Don't buy one, but you have to understand that it is also a business ploy. So. Yeah. Uh, and for what it's worth, it is what it, it is. It is what it is. And for what it's worth, obviously the regular home and away jerseys are top notch. The Pittsburgh Diagonal is also very solid. The Winter Classic one mm-hmm. might be my favorite of the year. Too bad we're only seeing it three times. And yeah. then the Robo Pen is good for its sake, I guess. Uh, I would have mm-hmm. loved to have seen the, the, the gradient instead, but you know what? We got what you we might got. get that. You might get that down the line. Now that the door is open to the RoboPen, I'm sure we will see it once again in the future. But let's talk about this fourth line. Enough enough Jersey talk. That that was a rabbit hole that I forced us down, and I apologize. But uh, do the Penguins have something with this fourth line, Horowat? They had a great game on Tuesday. That is Drew O'Connor, Ryan Paling, and Danton Heinen combining for seven points, two of them being goals, one from Heinen, one from O'Connor. Do they have something here? Do they have something to build off of, obviously? But, like, is this something that could actually work going forward for the Penguins? I feel so bad that I'm just laughing at the idea of Dan Hyden scoring a goal. It was the first time since October. When I saw him score that, I about fell out my chair. Um, <laughs> because that's just not what anybody was expecting. No. But we're happy we got it. He's happy to have gotten back on the score sheet for, like I said, the, his first goal since October. Um and Drew O'Connor battling for that one. Well, when he hit the post, I thought he's done. I thought he was going to be sent off of the bench into Wilkes-Barre immediately, <laughs> honestly. Mm-hmm. But he made up for it, bounced in the goal. And I think I like Ryan Paling down there as a fourth-line center. I think he just needs a little time to mold into it still because he did. He had that opportunity earlier in the season, but um, he got it taken away from him for a long time too. So I think he needs to remold into it. As for if mm-hmm. this is the fourth line we got, I hope not. I gotta be honest, I don't think so. Paling's fine. Drew O'Connor's probably earning his way into a regular NHL position, but that Danton Heinen thing still scares me. He's only in the lineup right now because Casper Kapanen is injured. So, yeah, there's that. There is that, and here's the thing. When I look at this fourth line, and specifically at Danton Heinen, I think that it's a great performance from all three of them. I think that he is the weakest link, and it's not particularly close. Yeah, it was nice to see him score a goal. Yeah, I don't want to bash him after he ends a 34-game goalless drought, but 
that's exactly what it was. 34 straight games without lighting the lamp. And for a player like Danton Heinen, who doesn't really provide anything outside of his goal-scoring ability, that's not good enough. And that doesn't make up for the fact that you didn't score for four months over half the season. There's a reason that he only got in, like you said, because Kapanen's injured. And also because Josh Archibald was injured. Archibald seems like he's knocking on the door of a return, might be later this evening against the Washington Capitals, even though Heinen scored a goal on Tuesday and ended that drought. And that might be the start of something new for Danton Heinen. We don't know. I would still take Josh Archibald on that line nine times out of ten compared to Danton Heinen. forgot about Josh Archibald, so yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think this fourth line is anywhere near what it could be. Josh Archibald could also squeeze his way back in there. Remember when we thought he wasn't going to make this team at all? Well, here we are. Yeah. Now, we're, now we can't wait for him to come back from injury. Mm-hmm. This team needs some shuffling around still, but I think that fourth line for what we saw on Monday? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, that fourth line on, that we saw on Tuesday, don't believe it'll stick. That's all I got to say, really. Mm-hmm. I feel like the basis is there for a good fourth line. I really do. And we'll get into the Paling versus Bluger discussion here in a few seconds. But when I look at that line, Danton Heinen, yeah, now he has four goals on the season. Okay, so do Archibald and Paling. And those two guys bring so much more than Danton Heinen does if they're not scoring. I mean, Josh Archibald constantly draws penalties. Ryan Paling is a center, so he's automatically more protected than Danton Heinen. He's also a lot more defensively inclined than Danton Heinen is. And even Drew O'Connor has three goals on the season and has played much less hockey than Danton Heinen. So the only thing Heinen is really good for, and you know, I hate saying that because, you know, human being element of the game, he's a phenomenal human from what I've heard. And he's a decent player, but it's just not working in Pittsburgh. And we saw that in Anaheim. He came to Pittsburgh. He succeeded in Pittsburgh last year. Maybe that's what he needs again. Maybe he needs to go somewhere else. Luckily for the Penguins, they're only paying him $1 million. But maybe he should be sent down. Maybe he should be traded. I don't know. But I don't think he should be in the lineup over a guy like Josh Archibald. So when Archibald comes back, I do like this third or fourth line of O'Connor, Paling, and Archibald. I would love to see it get an extended run. Maybe like the next two games. And then maybe the first two out of break give them some time to try to mesh together and see what that line will be because considering what Archibald brings and what O'Connor brings on the wings the forechecking the puck retrieval of those two guys and then Ryan Paling he has some pretty good hands like sneaky good hands almost like an Eric Fair late in his his career where yeah he's not going to do it very often but sometimes he can go out there and he can make a nice move and he can bury a puck So I feel like that is the basis of a good fourth line. And when the Pittsburgh Penguins are struggling as they are in the bottom six, I feel like that could be something that allows them to really focus in on repairing that third line. Because right now, I think that might be a fourth line you could roll with. But the third line is nowhere near that. No, and the third line is what we've been wanting to repair. Yeah, and that's the thing too, because you have so many guys that at their best are decent third liners, but at their worst are not even in the lineup, and a lot of them are at their worst right now. Kapanen's been performing a little bit better uh, before he was injured. Heinen, of course, that's a nice goal, and if he's playing it to his level, he might even be a a second-line player on a lot of teams. But they just haven't gotten that from those players, so they need 
a lot of work on that third line, but the fourth line to me, O'Connor, Paling, Archibald, give them some run. I think it could be something if you give them an opportunity. Yeah, I think absolutely it could. Uh, you do have to just give them the chance, but uh, it has to morph into the right situation. Mm-hmm. Part of that is Ryan Paling is the fourth line center. Normally, in the, for the past couple of seasons, that honor has been bestowed upon Teddy Bluger. Teddy Bluger hasn't been performing this season. We've kind of alluded to it a couple times, and I think us and a lot of other people in, in Penguin's kingdom, in the Penguin's fan base, in the Penguin's you know media conglomerate, usually don't talk bad about Teddy Bluger because of how good he's been for the Pittsburgh Penguins over his career. But if you can trade Teddy Bluger to open up the cap space, would you? In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Not having it with Bluger this season. I don't I'm kind of over the he can kill penalties thing. He's a defensive forward type of thing. That's great. Those are a dime a dozen these days. Alright? We don't need I mean we it's nice to have. Um but this team can win without having the number one, two or three penalty kill. We're at ninth right now, I think, unless it's changed. Last I checked it was ninth. Um We've shown that we can win without that penalty kill. We do need to obviously pay, play better defense, not take as many penalties, and score a few more goals here and there. But teams can win without having the top-ranked penalty kill in the league. And if you send them out, you have other defensive forwards that you've put your faith in. When Jonathan Gruden got here, that was one of the first things Mike Sullivan said, that he can kill penalties. You're going to see him on the penalty kill. We saw him for 40 seconds. I haven't seen him on the penalty kill since. Mm-hmm. So, hold to that maybe. You know, give him that chance again. Start from there. You have the guys that you believe can kill penalties. Losing Bluger, well, as yeah, it's, it would hurt the penalty kill and things wouldn't be the same. You open up cap space and maybe you find someone else who could do the same thing. Because mm-hmm. he's not providing you any offense anymore. He's not. And it's not that he ever did. He, But... Um, we wanted him to provide a little more. We thought maybe he could step his game up, step his offensive game up this season. Uh, and yet, this is probably his worst offensive year of his career, and that's saying something. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that, hey, maybe they can go find somebody that can take his role for less money. They have that guy on the roster. We just talked about him. Ryan Paling. Is Paling that much of a drop-off at this point to what Teddy Bluger is? Because when Teddy Bluger signed that contract, that $2.2 million per year contract, we were all saying, hey, that's a good deal because you're signing one of the best fourth-line centers in hockey. He's not that right now. He hasn't been that all season. And Ryan Paling is right there and overperforming, or not overperforming, but outperforming Teddy Bluger in some aspects of the game. I mean, you look at the counting stats. Yes, Ryan Paling is better than Bluger. Bluger has one goal. Paling has four also, three more points on the season. Paling has 10. Faceoffs, Bluger is better at the faceoff dot. But as we know, listen, faceoffs are important, but we have a faceoff guy in, in Jeff Carter if you need to in, in bigger situations, especially on the penalty kill. If you need a penalty killing faceoff extraordinaire, that's probably going to be Jeff Carter because we've already mentioned he's not going anywhere. And then you look at the underlying numbers. Paling has a 4% boost in shot attempts, a 30% boost in actual goals for in the game, and then a 9% boost in expected goals for. 
Ryan Paling, underlying-wise, is completely blowing Teddy Bluger out of the water. Now, Bluger has been bumped up to the third-line center role, which is going up against a little bit better talent, but at the same time, he's playing with better talent. He's just not getting the job done. And at $2.2 million with upcoming unrestricted free agency, I think it's almost a guarantee, unless Bluger takes a massive pay cut, that he's not going to be re-signed in the offseason. And Paling who was a restricted free agent at the end of the year, is only making 750 k So if you can make the move, not that you're going to get anything in return. That's not a move that nets you somebody for the third line. That is the beginning of a couple of moves that start to address the third line because that is one of the moves that you can make to open up some cap space. Yeah, we can't get attached to players either. Teddy Bluger is one of those players that fans got attached to over the years because of his nice defensive mindset. That's great. Guess what? Time is That time is coming gone. It's why we canned Zach Aston Reese last year. Dude couldn't score goals. Mm-hmm. We get it. He can play defense. That's great. We need more than that, especially from a depth uh, winger perspective, which, sure, Bluger's a center, but we can cover that pretty easily. He has to play offense because no one else in this bottom six is. And, mm-hmm. yeah, we managed to nab a pretty good return for Zach Aston Reese, but it's... For Bluger, maybe you ship him off for nothing but cap space, and that's still a net positive, in my opinion. So it's it's the hard part of the business. We get it. Mm-hmm. But guess what? It is still a business, and Teddy Bluger is not what's best for business right now. Yeah, and here's the thing. If Bluger wasn't as much of a fan favorite as he is, this conversation would have happened two months ago. It would have It would have happened because when he initially returned, We said, okay, this is going to help the penalty kill. And what happened? The penalty kill went from 28th in the National Hockey League to first. And we said, wow, that turnaround started when Bluger came back. But also, Tristan Jari turned things around and became an absolute ball of fire in December. Jeff Petrie kind of settled in and became a really good penalty killer and a really good defenseman for this team. Kasperi Kapanen's experiment on the penalty kill ended, and that's also what turned it around. Brian Russ started playing more time on the penalty kill. So while, yes... Teddy Bluger is a phenomenal penalty killer and usually pretty good defensively for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's not all him that turned the penalty kill around. And also, like you mentioned, we saw the Penguins get rid of one of their best penalty killers last season. And yes, the the unit took a decline overall. But at the end of the day, it was a net positive by getting Ricard Raquel. They're not going to get that same thing for Teddy Bluger. I don't think they can even put him in a package that would get them somebody like that. But the cap space is golden this year. We know it. We've seen it across the league. And $2.2 million in cap space, if you're able to free that up, could go a long way in fixing the Pittsburgh Penguins' third line. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to look at the Penguins' positioning right now because it's time to start scoreboard watching, Horwat. At least that's what I'm saying. We'll talk about that on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, who just spawned in front of me. Uh, there must have been a lag because it went from nobody in the seat to just popping up and jump scaring me here. Jeez, it's like an M. Night Shyamalan film in this piece. No, whenever you watch it back, you'll see me gunning it in. <laughs> I, had to, I had to check something during the break. I didn't see that. I, I don't know if it was my internet or your internet. If it was your internet, we're just going to get the spawn on video, and it's kind of what I want to see. Uh, so we'll have to see when we watch it back. You can check that out on YouTube at Inside the Penguins, of course. Make sure you subscribe because we're getting close to 600 subscribers. A lot of great post-game, post-practice videos of the players and what their reactions are. Every episode of the Tip of the Iceberg, as well as every episode of Penguins to Go. But Horwat, the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, sitting first place in the wild card in the Eastern Conference tied in points with the Washington Capitals but three games in hand tonight's a big one four point swing we talk about those matchups against teams in your division what do you think of where the Pittsburgh Penguins currently sit in the standings with of course about 40 percent of the season to go you know it's not ideal that we're in the second wild card position but um first Sorry, first. So used to us being in the second. We just jumped Washington on two. Yeah, we did. And it's still a playoff position. Uh, I think I said before that uh, the Penguins have never been a wildcard team under Mike Sullivan. So this would be a new situation. But the thing about this is I don't look to see where the Rangers are or the, or the Devils are in front of us. I keep looking behind us when to keep, you know, checking the rear view. Buffalo is three points behind um, Florida, who we just beat four points behind, that's two games. And it's good that we have games in hand on most of these teams, but I, I wouldn't count out, um, you know, Buffalo and Florida putting up some sort of weird fight. I mean, those are the teams we have to watch for. The teams above us, really, I mean, it'll be good to beat them, but uh, they, especially, especially Carolina, I think they're just far and away going to win the division again, although they are only two points ahead of New Jersey. It'll be interesting, but more or less, I'm watching the teams behind us than I am in front of us. Especially mm -hmm. since we don't play They're... Carolina again. We have the Rangers still three times in a week, which is mm -hmm. stupid scheduling. Um, but then also the Devils, I forget if we play them one or two more times still. Yeah, we have to play them at least one more because we've only uh, the, the Penguins have only played them twice. Okay. So then, yeah, we still play them a couple times. Um, but, I mean, unless the Devils can... I thought the Devils were coming back to earth, and then they rifled off another great streak. So, yeah. I don't know. I still don't know if they're the real deal, but they're definitely – they're probably not going to fall out of the top three this year. So, we may have to just settle yeah. for a wild card and then pray for the best. To me, there's a clear distinction in the Metropolitan Division, and that is right after New Jersey. Mm-hmm. It's Carolina, New Jersey, and I don't think anybody's really going to catch them. I know it's only six points separating them and the New York Rangers, but I, I don't think the Rangers are that team that's going to climb up into one of those two spots this year. And that's what worries me, Horwat. Not the Rangers climbing up into a top two spot. What worries me is where you see the Penguins right now. That makes me believe that their ceiling is the third seed in the Metropolitan Division as of current standing today on Thursday, January 26th. And why that's an issue is because the Penguins are currently 1-6-4 and four against the top two teams in each Eastern Conference division. That's Boston, Toronto, New Jersey, and Carolina. 
They're 0 3 and 3 against Metropolitan Division, the two Metropolitan Division teams. Odds are that if you make the playoffs and you even get the third seed in the Metropolitan Division, you're going to face one of those four teams. That's a scary thought considering how poorly the Penguins have performed against all four of them. Not just one of them, not just three of the four. They performed poorly against all four. The only win they have is that first victory against Toronto way back when. So that, to me, is a little bit of a red flag. But also at the same time, let's not forget, last year the Pittsburgh Penguins went 1-3 and three against the New York Rangers, scored one goal at 5-on-5 five five against Igor Shosturkin, and then took them to overtime in Game 7 with a third-string goaltender, for the most part. So while that is not the entire world, it does make me a little apprehensive about the Penguins' positioning right now. It does, and that's fair, because... Like I, like I just said, it, it's likely we finish in a wild card spot. All right, well, immediately you look at if it's the first wild card, if it's the second wild card spot, you're playing Boston. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Boston is going to be the top team in the NHL at the end of the season. Yeah, they're the President's Trophy winners again, probably. Yeah. If like, if, if there's any solace to having that, they're not going to win the cup. Way to go, Boston. Um, But yeah, the, you have to take on the big, bad Boston Bruins who, hey, I mean, it's not like we played awful against them this season like to be a little better no, what, but yeah when you look at those 10 games or sorry the 10 losses that the penguins have against those four teams only three of them have been more than one goal deficits yep. seven one goal games so that's 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 a different issue that's like penguins need to figure out a way to get over the hump against these teams but you're in these games against these good teams they just haven't been able to close yeah you're keeping up now you have to get over it um yeah but then if you fall to, but then if you end up in the first wild card spot it's you know, it could be Carolina, it could be Jersey, uh, could be New York. You never know. It's a long season. Uh, all of those teams, I think at least we look at a little brighter than Boston, I would say. I think, I mean, Jersey, it being their first, se- their possible first season in a long time doing something like that makes them the underdog almost, don't you think? The lack of playoff experience for their star players certainly plays into it, but also I think you look at some of the guys like Dougie Hamilton that's over there, Andre Palat, who's a multi-time Stanley Cup champion, even John Marino has playoff experience there. They're going to be able to impart their wisdom, and I mean, even Ryan Graves. Uh, Ryan Graves played for a lot of those good uh, Colorado Avalanche teams, obviously not the one that won the Stanley Cup, uh, but still, I mean, there's a lot of players there that have found success. Tomas Tatar has had a long storied career, plenty of playoff success, so I don't think I would count out the New Jersey Devils. I don't think that that would be the team I'd like to play the most if there is one. But when I look at which team I'd least like to see the Penguins match up against, if it is right now and you're asking me today, which we are, I don't want them to face off against the Hurricanes. I don't think that they have a good matchup against the Canes. I think they match up better against the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Weird weird to say because the Bruins basically never lose. And they're literally on the hunt now. If you check ESPN, they're talking about, hey, the Bruins could set a new NHL record for wins in the regular season. We're having that discussion here in January. I still think the Penguins match up better with them than they do against the Hurricanes. I do, too. I do, too. I mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe it is that President's Trophy aura that surrounds a team like that. But that's in there. We just haven't been able to get over the hump against Carolina. I mean, same for Boston, but... We still have time to maybe mend that. It's and let's uh, not to put an asterisk on one of those games, but one of those games was also played outside. 
with a backup goalie, mind you, where we outplayed them for a majority of the game. Mm-hmm. Huh. Suddenly things look good again. So, yeah, if, if you're going to play Boston, play them hard. If, if you got to play Carolina, it's a little bit more of a fight. I mean, game one against that team, against Carolina, a ton of Penguins fans were saying, yeah, I could do a seven-game series of this. Well, then we lost the next three, and none of us were saying that anymore. Yeah. I, don't get me wrong, they were all one-goal games. So maybe it's still an entertaining series. Oh, it is. But, man, not it. It's, you want more, but you want more. My hockey-loving mind could watch seven games of that series. Absolutely. As somebody who has covered the Penguins for the past three or four years in a serious capacity and has yet to see a playoff victory since we started covering this team in any serious way, I don't want to see that matchup because I'd like to, I'd like to cover a series win for once. You know, selfishly, Say what you will about that. I would like to cover a series win, folks. That's what I want. So I think the Penguins are better suited to face off against Boston. Or even, honestly, I would take Toronto over New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. I just think the issue there is is uh, the Atlantic's pretty set in stone. It's, it really is. It really is. It's yeah, going to be Boston. There, there's not a chance. Yeah. It's going to be, I mean, Boston and Toronto, one and two, are separated by, don't make me do math, 12 points. <laughs> And then Tampa and Toronto for two to three are separated by seven. I mean, there's that's a lot of games in between for both teams, for all three teams. Uh, that's pretty set in stone unless, I don't know, Vasilevsky gets hurt and Tampa drops out. And like I said, Buffalo is right at the heels here, sneaks in somewhere. They're eight points behind. Yeah. Well, they're right at the heels they're- of Washington. Yes. So. Yeah, I was about to say, you're, you're talking about the separation between one and two, two and three, but also three and four, there's eight points separating Tampa Bay and Buffalo. Like, I mean, there's two and a half months left in the yeah. season. A lot can change, but when you see gaps like that, let's not forget that last year, from December 25th, Christmas, on, the playoff picture was basically set with which eight teams were going to be in it. It didn't change. And this year, there's more of a chance that you have teams falling out and, and jumping in to the actual playoff picture. So it's going to be a fun two and a half months. This is really the first in-depth conversation we've had about the standings. Uh, I picture us doing it probably again in like three or four weeks after the all-star break and leading into the trade deadline, of course. But honestly, if you look at where the Penguins are at right now, obviously they just need to play better. That's should be their focus, but it does give me a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of trepidation that they have not been able to perform well against not perform well, but not been able to get any wins against four of the teams they could potentially be going up against in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. You got you got to prove you can beat those teams. Yeah, exactly. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We will be back next Monday with a new episode starting the Pittsburgh Penguins bye week. I'll be back tomorrow with the Penguins to go. So make sure you just keep an eye on our feed anywhere you get your podcasts. And also check out our YouTube channel at Inside the Penguins. But that's it for this one. We will see you guys next time. <laughs>